seat and find a Bible and open it up, or if you've got an app that you use, turn it on, and let's get to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. I want to speak to you today for a few minutes on this idea of dealing with distractions, and there's a reason that I, I believe, a reason I felt compelled to focus on this passage today, and I do want to maybe be the first to wish you a happy anniversary today, uh, because it was on this Sunday a year ago that we did the first online-only COVID-impacted worship service. It was March the 22nd, which I know is tomorrow, but you know when your years the day shifts. Uh, it was March 22nd, 2020, and so we've now been involved in making these pivots and these changes for uh, about a year, and of course, as we you know think about that, it would be a good time for us just to kind of pause and to to, to reflect upon how this past year has impacted us, how it has affected us, and it's certainly done so in many different ways and in many different spheres of our lives, including our spiritual life. Now, I want to say something at the outset that, and I honestly say it with as much pastoral love and, and tone as I possibly can, and, and it's certainly not intended for everyone. I, I certainly, and again, let me be very clear, what I am about to say is not intended for those people who may have had some, some health issues that have impacted your life over this past year. There have been so many people in our church that have had underlying health issues that, that have made interacting with larger groups uh, something that they might have wanted to do, but for health reasons they were unable to do because you are, uh, maybe you have had a, a relatively uh, high risk of impact of, of having your health affected, and, and I'm certainly not speaking and directing this to you in any way. Uh, that being said, there is a segment, not just of this church, but of every church, and, and all those who claim to follow Jesus, there, there is a segment of that population. We have allowed the events of this past year to distract us. We, we have allowed some things that have happened, and it doesn't have to be necessarily COVID, and if it's not COVID, it's going to be something else. We maybe have allowed some things to become an excuse for us to no longer engage in some of those spiritual disciplines that God has called us to be engaged in so that we can become more like Jesus, a, a good indication excuse me, that you have been distracted or, or maybe that you're now using the events of the past year as an excuse, it would, would be something along these lines. If everything else in your life other than you're worshiping Jesus with other believers, if everything else in your life has either started to return to normal or maybe has gotten back to normal, except for that one thing, that might be, it might be an indication that this has become a distraction or maybe an excuse to not follow Jesus as closely as you're being called to follow him. You say, preacher, 
Pastor, I can worship just as as well in my home as I can anywhere else. I know you're here. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but sometimes choir needs preaching to, right? Sometimes the preacher needs preaching to. That's why we get married, amen? Uh, that that we, we understand that, yeah, you, you can worship, and you should worship God privately. There, there should be a time when it's, it's you and God engaging in worship, but that doesn't negate the fact that Scripture repeatedly over and over again tells us the value of gathering with the body of Christ to worship. Again, I'm not saying this to, I'm not directing this to people who don't need to do that because of health reasons at this time. I'm I'm saying this to to myself and and to others who may be tempted to use the events of life as an excuse. We, We can get distracted, can't we? Well, we're not the only ones to face those distractions. There is a man in the Old Testament, a man from whom we can learn a great deal about distraction by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was given a task that was uh, challenging. He was to to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. It was a, a, a big task. It was a significant task, and it was a task that God had placed a calling upon his life to complete. And almost immediately after making his commitment to do this task that God had called him to do, he faced distractions. Many of them came in the form of discouragement, but it was distraction after distraction after distraction. In fact, the book of Nehemiah, of course, the main character is Nehemiah, but there are in this book, I call them the three stooges, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And these three guys in Nehemiah's narrative in chapter 2, they start to become a burden to Nehemiah. They start to, 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 to speak to him in a way to discourage him. They start to become thorns in his side. And, and in fact, that opposition peaks in chapters 4, 5, and 6. Of the 13 chapters in Nehemiah, three of them talk about the distractions, the discouragement that he faces. The the enemy has not changed his tactics. We, like Nehemiah, we have been called by God to be faithful in certain things. And like Nehemiah, we're going to face opposition. And like Nehemiah, we will have the opportunity to get distracted from what God has called us to do. So knowing that, knowing full well that will happen, why don't we learn from Nehemiah about how we can deal with those distractions that would keep us from doing what God's called us to do. To do that, we look at Nehemiah chapter 6, which tells us this. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I built the wall, and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafarim, that's just on the side of Mobile, in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, 
It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you, Nehemiah, and the Jews intend to rebel. This is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say have been done. For you were inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way in sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did. And also the prophetess Nadia and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shekaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Jeconanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Barakah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence, and reported my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. You see, the essence of distraction is to draw away or to divert. And if you noticed in that text, there were multiple times that people came and they tried to distract, they tried to divert Nehemiah's attention. And I want you to know this morning that the enemy, your enemy, his goal is to draw you away from what is most important to God by diverting your attention away from God's priority to your own priority. You see, distraction occurs when we major on minor issues and we minor on the major issues. When you focus on things that are important but neglect the things that are most important, that is a distraction. You know, it is impossible for you to do a lot of good things but never do the best thing that God has called you to do. That is 
is a distraction, when we become so busy doing good things that we don't do the best thing, the most important thing God has called us to do. I think about Mary and Martha, those two sisters in Luke chapter 10 who were preparing for Jesus to come visit them. And when Jesus was there, the Scripture tells us that Martha was distracted with much serving. She was doing something good, but she wasn't doing the very best. And said Jesus said that Mary had chosen that best part. Mary had sat down at his feet to listen to Jesus speak. And she was the one who was not distracted because she was doing the most important thing. Nehemiah refused to allow distraction to derail him. How can we do the same thing? I'm glad you asked. You didn't know you asked, but I knew you were wanting to know. And so here, quickly, let's look at what Nehemiah did. What we need to do to deal with distractions that would keep us from doing what God has called us to do. Number one is this. Refuse to negotiate that which is non-negotiable. Okay, refuse to negotiate that which is non-negotiable. Nehemiah is is met by Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem. They went to Nehemiah, and their goal was to get him away from the work of the wall and get him to the negotiating table. This is a distraction. Nehemiah cannot rebuild if he spends all his time negotiating. Now, negotiating is fine if two people are focused on the same goal. Like in a marriage, if you have a a, a disagreement between husband and wife, and and you, 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 you get a little bit and you negotiate, then you're going to the same goal. That, that's a good kind of negotiation. But however, when people have different goals, negotiating will not work and it becomes a distraction. Think about it. Sin began at an imaginary negotiating table. Did God really say, Satan said, and he begins to work on an idea, an angle of compromise, of, of negotiating. God's calling upon your life is non-negotiable. Hear me. God's calling upon your life. His plan, his purpose for you is non-negotiable. God wants you to know him, and then once you know him, he wants you to make him known. That purpose cannot be negotiated, nor can the means through which God accomplishes that purpose, engagement with his bride, the church, be negotiated. Think of how easily we are tempted to negotiate and compromise. We're tempted to negotiate by by giving some of our lives to Christ, but not offering at all. We're tempted to negotiate the mission of God, and instead of making God's mission the goal of our life, we make our life all about us. We're tempted to negotiate the bride of Christ. We're tempted to base our relationship with his bride more on convenience than we are conviction. May God help me. May God forgive me by becoming distracted, by compromise, by negotiation. May I follow the example of Nehemiah by refusing to negotiate that which is non-negotiable. Am I preaching to myself today? Smile. Thank you. Second, 
I've got, I, I can add to it. That doesn't bother me at all. I, I, no problem. It's no problem for a preacher to add to a sermon. And, and don't test it. Trust me, it is. Number two, what else do Nehemiah do? Resist the attempt of the enemy to cause you to fear. Resist the enemy's attempt to cause you to fear. The moment we allow unhealthy, ungodly fear to creep into our lives, we will get distracted because our focus then shifts from what God has called us to do to the fear that the enemy seeks to use to control us. See, if you go back in the text, you see that Sanballat tried to use fear to distract Nehemiah. Sanballat said, oh, Nehemiah, I'm hearing all these reports that, that you're setting yourself up as a king, and, and the king of Persia is going to hear about this, Nehemiah, and, and when he does, it's not going to end up well for you. Look, if the enemy cannot talk you into not serving God. He will try to scare you out of serving God. I think about Elijah, who in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah defeated 350 false prophets. And then in 1 Kings 19, he hears the word of one queen, Jezebel, that she's coming after him. And there's a verse in 1 Kings 19 that says that then Elijah was afraid. He ran and he ran for his life. When faith was his anchor, Elijah defeated over 300 false prophets. When fear was his anchor, the word of one person distracted him. See, facing fear is not the distraction. How we respond to that fear is, look, if you are serious about following God, I need you to know this morning that you're going to face fear because following requires faith, and faith requires a choice between going forward or having fear. Nehemiah's response in the face of fear must be our response. He responded with courage and with boldness. May my prayer be, oh God, strengthen my hands. Look, when you face fear, when fear faces you, remember that God God is on your side. And if God is for us, who in the world or outside the world can be against us? So let us keep our eyes focused on the omnipotent God who can empower and enable you to do what he's called you to do. You'll get distracted if you let fear control your life. Number three, remove yourself from sin. Remove yourself from sin. Our text introduces us to a man named Shemaiah. He had a plan. He said, Nehemiah, let's take refuge in the temple. The only problem with that plan is that according to the law, the only people who could go into the temple at that time were priests. And Nehemiah was not a priest. That's why in verse 11, Nehemiah says, Should what, what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. Had Nehemiah entered the temple, he would have sinned. He would have been discredited by his own people and by God. 
allowing your life to get entangled in sin is a guaranteed way to get distracted from God's objective in your life. Satan, your enemy, will try to help you ruin your witness before others and neutralize your influence for Christ through sin. This is why it is imperative for us to remove ourselves from sin as much as we can. This is why Hebrews 12 and 1 tells us that we need to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is why Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 to look very carefully at how you walk and to not walk as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, he says, because the days are evil. Let's make a renewed commitment to stay away from sin. Because when sin trips us and traps us, we can't do what God's called us to do. Fourth is this. Nehemiah remained connected to God through prayer. He prays in verse 14, remember to buy and sell. I tell you, when you let God handle making things right, he handles it a lot better than, than you do and than I do. Nehemiah said, Lord, remember these, my interpretation, these two bozos <laughs> who are coming into my life and they're trying to get me off track from doing what you've called me to do. Prayer was a hallmark of Nehemiah's life. When the book opens up, he was burdened, he prays. As the book develops, he gets distressed and he prays. When he needed courage, he prayed. When he faces the temptation he's facing in chapter 6, he prayed. If we want to remain focused and do what God's called us to do, we must remain connected to God through prayer. Listen, left to ourselves, we cannot overcome sin. Left to ourselves, we cannot overcome distractions. Left to ourselves, we cannot overcome the hindrances we will face. We must stay connected to God through prayer. It is our only hope. Are you committed to staying in step with God through prayer? What a surefire way to stay focused on the task to which God has called us. With that, I want you to notice as we, the, the, the last part of, of Nehemiah, as we try to move to a conclusion. The lesson Nehemiah teaches us is this. Resolve to not give up until God finishes what he has started. Nehemiah, with all the distractions around him, the easiest choice would have been for him to give up and say, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm just going to get distracted. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the flow of distraction. I'm going to get, if it takes me off track, fine. I'm tired. I, the easiest choice for him would have been to give up. But you see, Nehemiah knew something that we need to know. The Apostle Paul reminds us this as well in, in his writings. It's that he who began a good work in you will complete it the day of Jesus Christ. Nehemiah knew that God had started a work in him, and he was resolved to see God finish what he started in him and through 
him. And did you notice what happened as a result? Because of Nehemiah's persistency, because he refused to get distracted, God accomplished his goal through Nehemiah. The wall was finished, verse 15 tells us, in just 52 days. And when that happened, other people took notice. Other people began to say, look at what is happening. Look at what God is doing through Nehemiah. And God, ultimately, God received glory because Nehemiah remained faithful and true to the task. Listen, friend, the world needs to see Jesus at work in his people, but they'll not see Jesus at work in his people if his people aren't relying upon him. So I encourage you this morning, I implore you, don't give up. God has started a work in you. When you face distraction, when you face discouragement, when you face doubt, when you think, when you face any other D word you can think of, when you face those things as you follow Jesus, remember Nehemiah's response. Nehemiah I said, I cannot come down. The work I'm doing is too great. And friend, the work that God is doing in you, the work God is doing through you, you may not see it right now, but God is at work. It might be behind the scenes, but God is doing something in your life. He's doing something through your life. Don't give up. Stay on the wall. Don't get distracted. Maybe you've been distracted. Well, get back undistracted. Get back focused on what God has called you to do. And Allow God to do his work in you. Allow God to do his work through you. You see, there's an undeniable truth that we're going to be faced with multiple opportunities to become distracted from God's priority and from the most important task that God has given to us. But there's also an equally undeniable truth that we can overcome those distractions and do what God has called us to do. I want to ask you to think this morning about something. What is your distraction? What is your distraction? What is drawing you away from what is most important to God? And if you say, and if you would say this morning, Pastor, I don't have anything distracting me, pride would be yours. Okay? Because every single one of us has something that the enemy's trying to use to distract us. What is your distraction? What is diverting your attention away from God's priority? Identify it, then deal with it like Nehemiah dealt with it. But you know something else that's really important? We put a bow on it. There was another person who came along much later than Nehemiah who faced distractions. His name starts with a J and rhymes with Jesus. That would be who? Jesus. Jesus faced distraction. Jesus faced temptation. But Jesus knew that he had to stay focused because of what it would accomplish. The salvation of anyone who would call out to him. Maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're watching us online and maybe you've been distracted from coming to faith in Jesus. That's just what the enemy would love for you to spend the rest of your life doing. 
is to be distracted from giving your life to Jesus. Because if you can be distracted from giving your life to Jesus, that means you'll be separated from him for eternity. So maybe that's your question this morning. Maybe the question that you need to answer is not what is distracting you from doing what God's called you to do, but what's distracting you from coming to faith and giving your life for the first time to Jesus? I promise you, if you will step over that distraction, Jesus will meet you right where you are. He'll change your life. If he's changed your life, what's distracting you? Can we take just half a minute, 30 seconds? And whatever that was that you identified, and again, if you said nothing, I helped you identify it. Yours is pride, okay? So now everybody in the room has got that thing that's distracting them. Can we take 30 seconds to do business with God this morning, just you and him, asking God to help you learn from Nehemiah's life so you can deal with that distraction so God will continue his work in and through you. Would you bow your head right where you are and take these next 30 seconds to do business with God. decision today. Maybe you've made the decision today to follow Jesus. Maybe there's another decision God's calling you to make, and whatever your next step is, we'd love to come alongside you as you take that next step. If you need to take a next step, I'll be at the next step desk out here after our service, and I would love for you to come by and tell me your next step, and let us come alongside you as you take that next step. To our guests.